10, play clock at 4. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone, and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. What is going on? What is going on? Welcome back, everybody. You heard it off the top. We are the champions. 2021 national champs. Man, that is awesome to say. It's awesome to think about. Everything about it is just awesome. That's all there is to it. I'm coming to you a little bit later than I normally do. Uh, I was actually going to record this, I think, Wednesday or Thursday. Actually, Thursday. And was not able to get everything up and going. So I'm actually recording it on Saturday, right in the middle of the parade. If you believe that, I was watching a little bit of it, and I've kind of got it off to the side. So if I get a little sidetracked, then you guys will know why. But we are here. We've got plenty to go through. Georgia, national champions for the first time in 41 years. I'm so excited. I know anybody listening to this, Dog fans, Dog Nation, you guys are all excited. Uh, I know Georgia's packing everything out in Athens right now for this celebration that's about to happen coming up here in just a little while like i said i'm going to be a little bit sidetracked in the middle of it because i'm going to be watching that at the same time but we're not going to take anything away from it uh glad to have you guys here as usual make sure you guys follow us on twitter at dog talk 20 on youtube once we get some uh videos up and going hopefully this next show that i've got coming up i'm gonna try to get video up and going uh, i've been waiting on the backdrop to finally come in uh, behind me because the one that i had before it i didn't really like so finally got a new one coming in after christmas here um but you guys make sure you go and subscribe to the youtube channel there as well i'll leave all these links in the description below so you guys can hit that uh rate and review on spotify as well as on apple Podcasts. if you guys would i'd appreciate that give it that five stars and leave a review i'll read it on the show upcoming last but not least check out the website there dogtalkpod.com spelled the way it's supposed to be d-a-w-g talkpod.com that gets the business out of the way. Now, to the fun stuff, because we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We've got some more serious stuff to talk about, too, off the end. What we're going to do here, I'm going to keep it nice and fun off the top. We're going to go through breaking down the game, talk about the exciting game that it was, because it was all the way till the end of the game. Every single minute of this game was exhilarating. Uh, it had your heart racing the entire time for a long time. We never knew how this game was going to end up. Now, we're all glad the way it ended up for sure, but we're going to run through this game. I'm going to go back through the keys that it was going to take for Georgia to win this game that we talked about in the last episode. We're going to hit those topics and kind of break down each and every one and how we shaped up in those situations. Then, 
we're going to talk some more serious stuff about you know the little bit of coaching changes we do have a lot of attrition that is going on right now some that were very well expected a lot of guys we anticipated moving on to the nfl a couple of guys i'm a little surprised about as far as the transfer portal goes because we do have some guys that are leaving um, so at the end of this we're going to talk about that but i want to start off uh, light and fun like we always do getting into this game we know what happened in the sec championship game coming into this game Georgia was the underdog. Alabama kept saying, oh, we're the underdog. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're the number one team in the country. Granted, it's very difficult, like I've been saying, to beat a team twice in a year. That does not make you the underdog. Does not make you the underdog in this game. And even though that's what all Alabama fans wanted to create, that's not the situation that we had at hand. Georgia was the underdog coming into this one. And even though the points favorite was still Georgia, it was still it was Georgia the points favorite coming into the SEC championship game as well by a lot more and I think actually at the beginning of this game if I'm correct by the time Alabama took a lead that that actually swung Alabama's way um, so Georgia was the underdog coming into this no pun intended with the dog there but what a great game what a great game my keys to this and we'll talk somewhat about the injury I was nervous about Brock Bowers I think his injury just ended up being fine Alabama did a very good job of containing him we'll talk about that in a minute the keys to it offensively quarterback cannot make mistakes We've got to convert third downs, and we've got to get the ball to our playmakers. Defensively, we've got to affect the quarterback and the pass game, get off the field on third downs, lock down the secondary, be elite. You're either elite or you're not. And then we've got to contain Jameson Williams. Those were the main keys coming into this game. Also, forcing turnovers. That was one thing also on defense that I added there at the end. We need to force turnovers to be able to be effective in this game as well. All of which, in these keys, we did a fairly good job of. Let's start off offensively. You know how I like to do it. I like to start things offensively. Stetson Bennett, 17 for 26, 224 yards, two touchdowns. Did not throw an interception in this game. Very controversial call on the fumble later in the game. That does, unfortunately, go to Bennett's credit there. Very unfortunate call there. We're going to talk somewhat about that coming up. But... Offensively, can't make mistakes. He did not make mistakes. Now, the very beginning of this game, I think everybody while watching it, it was a little iffy as far as how Stetson was going to play. Not too sure because he looked extremely, I don't know, nervous. Uh, but the first play of the game where he gets sacked, to me it looked like a, a, a play I really wouldn't see him get sacked in, whether it's he runs around a little while and gets some yardage. Whatever the situation is, um, you know, I'm just used to seeing him kind of get loose in that situation or really not fall down in a situation where he it, it really didn't look like he was touched all that much. Again, not trying to take the credit from him or anything because in the end he did a great job in this game. But he looked a little bit nervous out there to start this one. Um, luckily, he did settle down. Things ended up very, very well in the end, obviously, which we're going to talk about. But he didn't make mistakes. We start the game off. It's a field goal game all the way up to the half. Alabama kicks a field goal in the first quarter. They've got a lead. Georgia kicks a field goal to tie it up. Alabama kicks another field goal and another to go up 9-3 to three with about three minutes left before the half. The score is 9-6 to six after Jackpot hits a 49-yarder. Great game so far. No touchdowns in the game at the half. We fast forward to the third quarter. This one, this is when things really started to get rocking and rolling for Georgia. Zamir White's one-yard touchdown run coming not long after. This is really right there at the end of the third quarter, a minute and 20 to go. But this is not long after James Cook had that huge run uh, down the left side that really broke the run game open for Georgia and to allow us to move the ball more effectively on the ground but also opened up more through the air as well. So, 
Georgia takes a 13-9 lead. Then a field goal by Alabama. Puts Georgia up by one, or I guess keeps Georgia up by one. And then you, you have that very controversial call there with the fumble by Stetson. Deep in our own end zone, and I think it's what we we're on like the 16-yard line. Um, not in our end zone, but on our side. 16-yard line, 10-14 to go in the fourth quarter. Alabama scores their first touchdown of the game, uh, and that's the only touchdown Alabama would score in this entire game. If you look before this game and you thought, all right, Alabama, if you told Alabama fans, anybody, Alabama is only going to score one touchdown in this game, most most people would not believe you. After the way that they were able to put up 41 points on Georgia in the SEC championship game, if you were to tell anybody, whether you're an SEC fan, Alabama fan, Georgia fan, anybody in the country, that Alabama will only score one touchdown in this national championship game, everybody would have called you crazy. But that's exactly what happened. This is the last time that Georgia would score, and it's the only time, or excuse me, last time Alabama would score, and it's the only time Alabama would get a touchdown in this game. They go for two, go for two to try to be up by a touchdown. That one has failed. So now they have the lead 18-13. to 13. We fast forward about halfway through the fourth quarter. A touchdown, a huge touchdown. This gives Georgia the lead, and Georgia would not lose it for the rest of the game. Huge touchdown to Adani Mitchell, 40-yard touchdown pass from Stetson Bennett. Go for the two-point conversion to be up by a field goal. Don't get it, but we do take the lead 19-18 to at that point, 8 9 to go. A little while later, Georgia on a play that I have to give a lot of credit to Todd Munkin on here. Georgia at this point is on the, what are we on, the 15-yard line, I believe it was, of Alabama's. Third and one, everybody knows that Georgia's about to run the ball up the middle. We've ran a couple of run plays. Third and one, you know that that's coming. And all of a sudden, Todd Munkin pulls it out of his sleeve. It's not a trick play. It's just a little slide play to tight end Brock Bowers on the side. And he runs it in for a 15-yard touchdown pass, giving Georgia the 26-18 to lead. Coming down the wire, coming down the wire, Alabama, they've got the ball. There's still plenty of time, three and a half minutes left in this game, plenty of time to drive down and score. And the entire time I'm sitting here kind of pacing with friends, and I'm thinking eight points is not enough. Eight points against Alabama is not enough because the last couple of times they've been able to kind of drive on us a little bit. Now, in the end, it didn't matter because one of the times they tried to drive earlier in the game, we did block a field goal, which at that point to me was kind of the turning point for Georgia. That's where the momentum started to shift. But after after Really, James Cook's big run leading up to Zeus's touchdown there in the third quarter, that's when the shift really happened and really started to push Georgia's way. Uh, even though Alabama was able to take the lead back uh, in the fourth quarter, it, it didn't matter. Georgia had enough gas in the tank there in the fourth quarter to be able to continue to push forward. So even that, even though that was happening, I kept saying there in the fourth quarter, eight points is not enough. Alabama's got enough left in the tank. They can drive down the field. They can score. And going for two, you know, you just got to draw up the best play you possibly can at that point. But with 54 seconds left, you heard it off the top. That was the call. Keely Ringo, 79-yard pick six to seal the deal with 54 seconds left, putting the dogs up 33-18, to 18, and that is what it would finalize. That's what it would finalize. What a great game. Like I said, I was on pins and needles the entire game. Don't think I really sat down at all in this game, maybe maybe for a few minutes during halftime. But outside of that, you know, you're standing up the whole time. You're just pacing. That's, that's how I watch a game anyway. Most of the time I'm pacing, especially in a game that, that is this big. I mean, it, it doesn't get any bigger. This is as big as it gets. The only time I wasn't pacing was the Michigan game, and that's because I had COVID, and I had to lay in a bed and watch it from there, not feeling all that well. But what a great game. Let's get to some of the calls. Start of the game. 
Georgia starts the game up with a scoop and score. Uh, that's the first controversial call in this game. And this is the way it lined up. Bryce Young pretty much stuck in the pocket. Jordan Davis comes up behind him. Looked to me like Jordan Davis pushed Bryce Young's arm forward as he was trying to tackle him, sacking him. And in doing that, it made it look like Bryce Young was trying to throw a pass. I don't know. I don't know. Watching it, even seeing the replay, I was like, okay, I can give somewhat of the benefit of the doubt to a referee here that, okay, maybe maybe that's what it looks like. I mean, because it did. The way that he got hit from behind, to me, that was just Jordan Davis trying to tackle him. Uh, and it just so happened to make it look like his arm was moving forward like he was trying to throw a pass. Because last I checked, your arm's pretty high when you're trying to throw a pass. We're going to talk about Stetson's in a minute. But scoop and score, and Kobe Dean takes it all the way in the end zone. It's ruled a touchdown. They go back and review it, rule it that it was an incomplete pass. Now keep that in the back of your mind here to start. I'm going to fast forward all the way to that third quarter, uh, or actually fourth quarter. Um, Stetson Bennett fumble, what it ended up being called. Watching the replay, first of all, nobody thought this was a fumble. Even the guy who recovered the ball and somehow miraculously stayed in bounds, if you want to call it in bounds or not. I mean, it was millimeters was really the difference in his toe and being out of bounds. I mean, if he was a half a shoe size bigger, that's an out of bounds. That's how close this was. And the thing to me that aggravated me about this, Stetson was in all of the situations where it looked like he was trying to throw a pass. <clears throat> Again, I want to give some of the benefit of the doubt for the people out there who say, oh, yeah, this was definitely him trying to throw a pass. I agree. I agree. There, All the characteristics of actually trying to throw a pass were in Stetson Bennett's favor in this call as opposed to Bryce Young's in that earlier call in the game. But I do give the benefit of the doubt that somewhat it started to come out of his hand. But in my opinion, again, it was him getting hit and moving forward. There has to be a difference in when you're getting hit, what it's causing to happen with a football as opposed to just what you see there. Because Bryce Young's getting hit. The only reason his arm is even going forward is because he's getting hit to make it look like a pass. Stetson Bennett's getting hit. His arm's trying to go forward, but the ball comes out. So, again, nobody thought it was a fumble. What really irritated me about this, though, and I don't know if you guys caught this, you may or may not have, was the fact that the ump, or the referee, excuse me, he's sitting there and he says, the ruling on the field is a fumble, and if it's not, then it is a, it's intentional grounding. So I have two issues with this. I think the only reason you could call that is because the ball obviously didn't go past the line of scrimmage. But the difference in this was Bryce Young was in the pocket when the ball came out of his hand. I don't believe it crossed the line of scrimmage either, but there was no call for intentional grounding on that. And I think Kirby was even calling for it if that wasn't going to be a fumble. Never got the call. Then we fast forward, unless I'm incorrect about that. I'm kind of, I'm kind of remembering somewhat indifferently about that right now. But I don't think there was a call for intentional grounding on that. I could be wrong. But then you fast forward to Stetson. Stetson rolled out of the pocket. He was no longer in the pocket. And, again, my, my memory could be incorrect as far as the call there goes. Maybe it still has to pass the line of scrimmage for it not to be intentional grounding. But that was a little irritating that the referee went ahead and said, you know, if it's not this, then we're still going to do this. To me, that was, okay, we're, we're going to go ahead and have the penalty in the bag. And for any Alabama fans who just so happen to hear this, I've heard it all my life. I grew up in the state of Alabama. Thank God I didn't turn out to be a Bama fan. I've been a Georgia fan as long as I can remember. But the fact 
that Alabama fans somehow have the audacity to say, oh, Georgia got Georgia got all the calls in this game. You have lost your mind if you feel that way. And you Georgia fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Georgia had some calls go their way. They did. And the calls that went their way, rightfully so. Especially the pass, or excuse me, especially uh, the hands to the face. You know, that, that was somewhat of a controversial one. But most of the calls that went against Georgia, rightfully so. But the calls that went against, or excuse me, Georgia, yeah. The calls that went against against all right, now now I've got it all mixed up. The calls that went against Alabama, rightfully so. But the calls that went against Georgia, I don't think so. Some of these incorrectly because the call for the pass interference against Alabama completely. By the way, smartest play I've seen. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But Alabama, when it was a critical, crucial call, every time it went Alabama's way. Georgia fans, you know that. Alabama fans, if you just happen to be listening to it, you're wrong. Because if you think that Georgia got all the good calls and all the calls that mattered in this game, you're wrong. Go back and watch the game again. And if you still don't believe it, go back and watch the game again. And if you still don't believe it, I'm going to keep saying the th same thing. Go back and watch the game again. Because time after time, when it was a critical call, it did not go Georgia's way. We knew this was going to happen beforehand. We knew well ahead of this, uh, this was going to happen beforehand. And by the way, Tyler Simmons was on side. Will Anderson was not. Just saying. <laughs> If you want to go back and look at another one, that's another one. Didn't get that call at all, but I digress. Back to the smartest play that I saw that was a penalty incorrectly against the Alabama guy. Jermaine Burton was about to do the exact same thing to Alabama's defense that we did against Michigan's. Exact same thing. He runs a stop and go, runs out for 15, 20 yards, stops, takes off, and the defender realizes, oh, no, I have made a mistake. I am about to get burned, and instead of letting him run by him and get an easy touchdown for Georgia, he tackles him. I would much, and I've always said this, hey, tackle him. If you just know you're getting burned, tackle him. 15 yards is a whole lot better than seven points, or six at least, especially in as tight as this game was. So very smart. In the end, it didn't matter because of the snag that Adonai Mitchell had from Stetson right after this. But I kept thinking to myself, I was like, you know, that, that's an explosive play right there. But we still had multiple, multiple. We were able to hold Alabama from those off, those offensive explosive plays multiple times. Multiple times in this game. If you go back to the SEC championship game, and I have some of these numbers pulled up here in front of me, you go back to the SEC championship game and explosive plays, being able to stop it. Alabama in the SEC championship game, they averaged 16.2 yards per reception. Got 421 passing yards in this game. We were able to drop that down to 10.5 yards per reception on just 369 passing yards. Credit a lot of that right here out to Jake Kamara. Want to do that because he was able to flip the field all night long. Anytime Georgia had to get in a punt situation, he was able to pin Alabama deep. The only time Alabama scored a touchdown was on that fumble where Alabama was on the good side of the field there at the 16-yard line. That was the easiest score they got. Now, they were still able to get deep enough, obviously, to kick these field goals that they did earlier in the game. Again, credit out to Georgia's defense for blocking one of those as well. But Georgia's defense stood up in a way I have not seen Georgia stand up since earlier in the season, and I'm very glad that they were able to do this against Alabama. Now, we do have to talk about the Alabama injuries. Does it play a difference? Possibly. The world will never know. But... For all the argument I've heard from any Alabama fan, this is all I have to say to you. I hate it for you. I really do. 
in the end, it does not matter. This is still a national championship for Georgia. Because if you think Georgia did not face any kind of injury throughout the season, that's because you don't care and you haven't paid attention to the injuries that Georgia has faced all season. Unfortunately for Georgia, Georgia started the season with injuries. From game one, had injuries. Let's talk about JT Daniels, who obviously went down and really never never came back in for the rest of the season. Let's talk about the fact that your number one wide receiver on the team is coming into the season. George Pickens, ACL, he's out. There's your top wide receiver. He's gone. Not playing. Arian Smith, the fastest guy on the team, only plays a couple of games in here before busting the ACL. Talk about defensively. Tyke Smith, he's out. Tate Ratledge on the offensive line breaks a foot in the first in, first quarter of the first game. Georgia has faced the injuries too. It just sucks for you, Alabama, because Georgia faced it to start the season and by the end of the season was healthy. Y'all had these, for the most part, fairly healthy injuries right there near the end of the year, and the worst of your injuries came at the end of the year. But let me also reference back to this for anybody that wants to argue that. In 2018, the 2017 National Championship game, Tua Tagovailoa comes in as a freshman and connects with Devontae White as a freshman. You win the national championship with freshmen. Now, fast forward to 2021 national championship game. Georgia, walk-on quarterback Stetson Bennett, connects with A.D. Mitchell, a freshman. Keely Ringo with a pick six at the end of the game, a redshirt freshman. Georgia did what they had to do with the young guys on the field to be able to connect and make this game happen. So I don't want to hear anything about, oh, well, you know, injuries, yada, yada, this, that, that. I don't care. Don't care anything about it. Because Georgia, when it when they mattered, let's not even talk about the fact that you got the best tight end in the country and Brock Bowers, a freshman. You find a way. If you've got a Heisman-winning quarterback, Stetson Bennett's a walk-on. I love Stetson Bennett to death, especially after now. I may have doubted him earlier in the season, but as the season went on and on, you started to realize, hey, you got to believe in the guy, first of all. It's who we're going with, so put all your money on him. You got the, you got, you got him. He's your guy. This is going to be the guy who gets you there. And later in the season, I think people finally started to realize, okay, hey, might as well push all your chips in with him. First of all, it's the guy we've got. Second of all, he's getting the job done week after week. You, you hear it on social media everywhere. You watch the shows. You, you check out SportsCenter, SEC Network, Paul Feinbaum. doesn't matter. Everybody in the world has doubted the guy. Even though week after week he's got it done, even leading up to the national championship, they said it on, on ESPN. Why, why does a guy who has been so successful and got you to this point, why does he battle so much criticism and people still don't buy into the fact that he can get the job done? Now, I'm so glad in the end he ends up proving that to everyone because even though he didn't have the most yards in this one, he got the job done. He did exactly what you need to do in this game to win to win against Alabama. This is what he lined up, 224 yards and two touchdowns. He didn't make the mistakes. You know who made the mistake in this game? was Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Bryce Young. He threw 369 yards, only threw the one touchdown, had to throw the ball 57 times in this game, but threw two interceptions, one of which was the game-winning interception for Georgia. The seal the deal, it's over, finished. Keely Ringo takes it to the house at the end of the game. When it mattered most, your Heisman-winning quarterback should step up more than a walk-on quarterback. And again, this is no knock on Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, he even said it himself. He's always believed in himself. He's always believed that he is the best player and the best quarterback in the game. 
and that's the kind of mentality it took to be able to get over Alabama and what he knew he had in front of him. Credit out to Stetson Bennett. Also ends up being the offensive MVP coming into this game. Extremely proud of the guy. Then we move forward. Again, he didn't make the mistakes. Bryce Young did. And the argument that continues to happen, oh, yeah, Mechie went out in the SEC championship game. You're right, he did. Jameson Williams goes out uh, in the national championship game. If we got Jameson Williams, we win this game. Maybe. Guess what? We'll never know. And quite frankly, I don't care. I hate it for him. hate that he's injured. He's going to move on to the NFL. He's going to go make money. You don't, you don't get him back next year. Sucks for you yet again. But when it matters most, you get the guys out there that can make the plays. you got somebody to step up, next man up. It's that mentality. You have to have that mentality, especially in this game. And of all people that should know and understand that, it should be any Alabama fan, player, coach, staff, anything like that. And I'm sure that most people on the staff and things of that nature, they know that. But it's the fans and the previous players who watch this game and think, okay, without him, you know, maybe they don't win it. But go back to the 2017. It took Nick Saban taking a backup quarterback, a freshman backup quarterback who has done nothing but mop-up duty all year, put him in in the second half, and he dominated the game over Georgia in that national championship game. Dominated. And, and if you think he didn't, Georgia fans, you're also living in a dreamland because we know that's what happened. You know it. Now, luckily, we get to get over that hump finally after 41 years, four years later after that game. Georgia did what it had to do to get over it. And with a walk-on quarterback who knows he's the best guy on the field and played that way later into this game, did his best, 17 for 26, 224, two touchdowns. Both defenses did exactly what you need to do to win the game. They were able to hold each other down. They were able to contain quarterbacks. Just so happens Stetson Bennett was the one to get the job done in this one and credit out a lot to the defense, a lot to the defense, everything. All aspects of this game, especially in the fourth quarter, came alive. But the second half was Georgia's game. Second half was Georgia's game. First half of this game, Georgia scores six, Alabama scores nine. Obviously, like I just said 15 times, halftime's nine to six. Alabama's got the lead. From that point on, Georgia outscored Alabama 27 to nine in the third and fourth quarter. Outscoring Alabama in the third quarter, 7 to nothing in the fourth quarter, something that Georgia has not done in the entirety of the last five to six times playing Alabama. I don't think, what, last six times, I believe, that Georgia and Alabama have played out Georgia in all combined years has only scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. 14 alone in all of that time. And they scored 20, 20 points alone in the fourth quarter of this game. You kick the field goal, it's 21, but that doesn't matter. At the time, we're going for two to try to be up by a field goal. In the end, like I said, it didn't matter, thank goodness. But Georgia's defense stood up when it needed to. Georgia's offense got it going in the fourth quarter in the second half of a game that Georgia has not been able to do in years past. And it finally, finally came to fruition, and Georgia was able to do the job they needed to do. Now, back to the offensive stats and the keys that I knew that it was going to take to win this game. No quarterback mistakes. Boom. That happened. We did the job. Did exactly what you're supposed to do in this game. Stetson Bennett did his job. Again, somewhat controversial on the on the fumble there. Did end up turning into a touchdown for Alabama. But again, the only touchdown they ended up doing. The defense stood up, had his back in the end, and stopped that. Now, get the ball to your playmakers. Let's see if we did that. Zeus, 84 yards and a touchdown. James Cook, 77 yards. Now, delivering it to your key playmakers offensively, 
through the air. George Pickens, he actually leads the charge. He only had the one catch, but it was a big one. 52 yards. That's what he ends on. A.D. Mitchell, 50 yards. Two touches. One touchdown. That one was on the 40-yarder. When he was hit, it mattered the most. The guy who has been the most consistent all year, four touches, 36 yards, and a touchdown on that 15-yard touchdown blast to Brock Bowers. Then you got Jermaine Burton behind him, two touches, 28 yards. 18 was his long on a big one there. Kenny Mack, three touches, 23. James Cook, two for 15. Darnell did get one touch for nine yards in this game as well. Kiaris Jackson got one catch for eight, and Ladd, one for three. So we got the ball out to our playmakers. The biggest ones I was thinking of, Brock Bowers, get big O in the game. And George Pickens. George Pickens leads the charge. Brock Bowers right behind it. Again, credit out to Alabama's defense for containing Brock fairly well in this game. But George's offense on the ground was able to open up things for other guys to get George Pickens the big catch. Which even if even if you don't open it up for George Pickens, he's able to go climb up the ladder and make a play on you anyways. What a great play by him to have that 52-yard gain. And then the, the huge touchdown, like I said, to A.D. Mitchell for 40 yards. What a snag there. I mean, Mawson, a guy, Mawson him on the, in the end zone. That was the point where I started to kind of think, okay, this could be it. But I never, want, I never want to start thinking that too early just because three and a half minutes is a long time left in the game, especially when you're playing Alabama. We know that. We all know that. You've got to seal the deal. And I kept saying before Keeley's big pick, man, eight points just doesn't feel like enough here, even though it should. You know, because even if they score, they got to go for two. And even if they go for two and get it, the game's not over. It's not over. Georgia gets a chance then if we don't go to overtime. But luckily it didn't come to that because of Keeley's pick. So that was it offensively. Those were the biggest things there. Converting third downs. We didn't do that nearly as effectively as I wanted to. We only go four for 12 on third down efficiency. Not very good. Attribute a lot of this to the first half of the game. First half of the game, there was a lot of punting back and forth for both teams. Both teams, 4 for 12 offensively on third down efficiency, not efficient. So luckily that key right there did not end up mattering, and a lot of that credit out to Georgia's defense and the offense there in the fourth quarter. Moving down, we'll get to the defensive side here. Looking at total yards, Alabama outgained Georgia 399 to 364, all of which, all of which came through the air. 369 yards came through the air for Alabama. Georgia's defense held Alabama to 30 rushing yards. 30 rushing yards in this game. While Georgia was able to run for 140. Now, some of this is somewhat skewed, and this is where we're going to get to on this. And this is because of this. 140 yards for Georgia. That's only because Stetson Bennett was sacked quite a few times in this game. Let's see how many times Stetson actually ended up being sacked. He got sacked five times in this game. We had seven tackles for loss from Alabama, and they sacked Bryce, or excuse me, they sacked Stetson Bennett five times in this game. It ended up you know, equaling out to negative 24 yards. Ladd, even one of his catches, or uh, rushes around the end, lost three yards. So you're looking at 27 yards taken off the board there. Otherwise, it's 167 yards if everything evens out there. So after five sacks, Stetson negative 24 yards, but we still rushed the ball 140 yards. You're still pushing that 200-yard mark without those sacks. But then... On the other side, holding them to 30, Brian Robinson Jr., he had a couple of times where he started to bust loose, one of which was a 16-yarder. 68 yards is all he ends up with in the end. Trey Sanders behind him at five, and then Bryce Young. Now we're, now we're going to talk about the defensive stuff. What do we need to do to win this game? To the key components that it was going to take, the keys to winning this defensively, first and foremost, affect the quarterback 
in the pass game, affect the quarterback in the pass game. Georgia, zero sacks in the SEC championship game, zero. Quarterback hurries, not really happening much in that either. Georgia had four sacks in this game. Now, a couple of those actually came uh, in the fourth quarter at the end of the game, but four sacks, nine tackles for loss. So they did their job. They affected the quarterback. Bryce Young was not very effective when he had a lot of pressure in his face. And all night long, Georgia continued to push the pressure, continued to get guys in his face, even if we weren't getting the sack, even if we weren't getting the sack. And I do also want to credit out to N'Kobe Dean, and I think it was Channing Tindall late in this game as well. N'Kobe Dean got off a block uh, and actually made a good, a really good play right there at the end zone, stopping Alabama from scoring another touchdown because Channing Tindall was not, was not in place. It was a busted play again. Luckily, N'Kobe Dean, being as smart and as good as he is, was able to get out wide and stop that from happening, stop it from happening, which was really good. But the very next play, after N'Kobe Dean kind of gets in his ear, Channing Tindall goes and gets a sack. Huge. Huge play there. Next thing was getting off the field on third downs. Was Georgia able to do that? The effectivity of uh, Alabama's defense, again, was pretty good on this, but Georgia's defense held Alabama 9 for 20, less than less than 50%. Not much, but a little less than 50%. Again, I'd like that number to be lower. I'd like these numbers to kind of be switched, but Alabama also had to be on the field a little bit longer than Georgia did. Getting back to it defensively, third down, got to get off the field. We did so-so on it. So-so did stop the fourth down, but defensively we stood up in this game. Again, we gave them 399 yards. Again, 95% of that comes through the air. It comes through the air, and that's because Georgia, again, was able to flip the ball so well with special teams. Jake Kamara, shout-out to you because you're not getting as much credit as you should because you did a great job. Great job in this game uh, flipping the field. Let's see how many punts you ended up with in this game. So we end up five punts, five punts, averaging 44.6 yards, put two of them inside the 20, 223 yards, had a 55-yard boomer. So flipping the field time and time again, able to put Alabama deep, pushing Alabama deep. By the way, this celebration, what a crowd at Sanford Stadium. So glad to see that. Jackpot, perfect on the night, two for two, two for two, along of 49. I don't know. I can't remember. It seems like that. It seems like he kicked like a – 50 or 51 yarder against Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl last year. I can't remember what his long is, but goes two for two. He was effective, did exactly what he needed to do, kept us in this game in the second quarter with those two uh, key kicks that you got to make. Georgia, again, defensively able to stop and block a punt as well defensively. That was awesome. Containing Jamison Williams. We did that for the most part. He did get wide a couple of times. He did actually put up a few yards in this one uh, and ends up before his injury. Let's see. I'm going to look and see where he ended up. Second on the list, four catches, 65 yards. One was a 40-yard big big one. Uh, the only other, you had Cameron Latu. He had that 61-yarder. Credit out to Keely Ringo for running him down because without doing that, that's a, that's a touchdown. Now, he did end up scoring a touchdown off of that 16-yarder yard, uh, from the 16-yard line there for Alabama later in the game after the Stetson Bennett fumble. But in the end, Georgia did a good job. And, again, hate it for him as far as injury goes. He will recover and play. Uh, in the NFL coming up because he's one of those playmakers. He was good. Now, moving on. Locking down the secondary. That's the other thing. You're either elite or you're not. Secondary has to be elite. We did that. You know, there were a couple of big plays. The Cameron Latu, that was a short pass that ended up turning big. Jameson Williams had one catch that was really big. Other than that, we contained it. 28 yards for a G. Hall, and then Ja'Cory Brooks had a 20-yarder. Outside of that, once Jameson Williams went out, there really weren't explosive plays. Georgia stopped that and held that way down. 
again, there were multiple times Alabama was able to drive down the field through the air, but Georgia stopped it. Credit out to Georgia's red zone defense how much Georgia was able to shut down Alabama. The fact that Alabama had to kick as many field goals as they did, what, it ends up two, three, four, four field goals for Alabama? Alabama goes, I guess, credit out to their field goal kicker. He goes four for five, uh, putting up 12 points in the game outside of the, the touchdown for Alabama. That's it. That's where all the points come from, 12 there and six because of the touchdown, missing the two-point conversion. But do get that one block on the game. Very proud of this defense. Defense did exactly what it did, needed to do. Last but not least was we got to force turnovers in this game. Got to do it. Got to force the turnovers, and we did. Keely Ringo with the pick, uh, as well as Nicobe Dean. Oh, excuse me, sorry. Christopher Smith had the other pick. By the way, we're going to talk again about who's leaving, who's staying, coming up. But there was some big news about one of those guys, which is really exciting uh, to have coming up. But you got to force the turnovers. We did that. We were very effective at it. I think there was one where one guy dropped it. Heck, Stetson actually fumbled at one time, luckily fell on it. We kind of got lucky in that situation. But heads up, play by, play by him. As far as the keys to the game go, I mean, we hit it. Offensively, quarterback can't make mistakes. Get the ball to your playmakers. Got to do those things. Did not convert on third downs like we wanted to, so we're two for three as far as those keys offensively. Ended up being enough because of your defense. Defense, affect the quarterback in the pass game. Cha-ching. Get off the field on third downs. For the most part, less than 50%. I'll take a win there. Lock down the secondary. Be elite. We did that. Explosive plays didn't happen very often. Again, the couple that did, one great play by one of the best run or one of the best wide receivers in the in the country right now. The reason he's going to go on and play for the uh, NFL this upcoming year. We did that. We did a very good job uh, at containing him and and then the secondary being elite and then forcing turnovers. Georgia again in the SEC championship game, we throw two interceptions. National championship game when it matters the most, they throw two interceptions. Credit out to Georgia's defense in a big way here. Turned out great. Extremely proud of Georgia's defense for what they were able to do in this game. Again, extremely proud of Georgia's offense because offensively, you still got to score. You got to score to win the game. Now, I know defense in the end ended up putting up the lockdown uh, lockdown play to be able to stop Alabama from being able to even have a chance at coming back. So you do, I guess, have to be pretty glad about that as well. But offensively, did the job, did exactly what we needed to do, was extremely proud of Georgia for being able to get this job done and to win this national championship. Now, let's get down to a little bit more serious note as far as some guys leaving, some guys staying, uh, the somewhat sadness of what we do kind of have to look forward to uh, coming up. All right, getting to it. Getting to it here. Do want to talk news off the top. We do know that Dan Lanning obviously headed out. He's going to be Oregon's head coach. Was very glad to see him stick around. Uh, and see Georgia through a national championship before deciding to to head out. Because I guess if he really wanted to, he could have left. He could have left the guys high and dry and decided, hey, I'm a head coach somewhere. I'm going to go and do this here and now, uh, and you guys can deal with it afterwards. But he didn't. He stuck around and was able to win and help Georgia's defense focus, focus in on what the task was at hand. And that at the time was winning the, the Orange Bowl to start against Michigan, followed by getting to the national championship, playing for that, and winning it, which Georgia was able to do. So Dan Lading. Thank you for all that you've done for Georgia. Glad to have you as a part of our team, uh, and again, for sticking around and seeing it through to the end. So what that does, we've already talked about this, but Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann will be co-defensive coordinators moving forward. We've got a long time, long time. Off-season begins now. We've got a long time between now and the time uh, that 
the season starts. A lot can happen between now and then. One of these guys could decide to leave. One guy could decide or could be promoted to full-time, you know, a defensive coordinator. And one of the other guys could just kind of take a step back, I guess. Um, but then the last and not least one here that we know of right now is, is, is Ben Souders, a co, I believe he's a co-strength strength and conditioning coordinator. And uh, he's actually headed to Louisville to be their strength and conditioning coordinator now. There are a couple of other coaches, though, that I think I was reading about earlier. Um, I know the conversation is swirling a little bit around Todd Munkin headed back to the NFL. That's one. Uh, Coach Adai, he could be headed out as well. I think, you know, just after one year with Georgia, he could be also moving on. I've heard some say that he may be headed to uh, LSU. Um, Cortez Hankton, he may also be another guy for that as well. So there's a couple of guys that you do kind of have to keep your ears and your eyes out for for the possibility of changing. Again, this is something we knew was coming. We knew that some coaching changes could be on the way. We knew that we're about to lose a lot of guys to the draft, um, both offensively and defensively. The one good thing I was looking at was, all right, offensively, we've got a lot of guys, I think, that are going to be back this year, a lot of guys. Uh, and for the most part, that so far seems to be the case. Defensively, I kept looking at that thinking it's a good thing that Kirby puts as many guys as he does in. The rotation that he's able to do put a lot of guys in uh, and get a lot of experience on the field that I'm glad because this is a year where Georgia is losing like 80% of its defense. The defense that has been so good, uh, which we knew coming into this season that Georgia's defense was going to be good, and all season long they proved that. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to say goodbye to a lot of those guys. And that's what we're going to get to here. So far, these are the guys that we know – are going to the Senior Bowl, so we know that they're headed out to the draft. Uh, and that is offensive guard Jordan Schaefer, defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt, linebacker Channing Tindall, linebacker Quay Walker, cornerback De'Arian Kendrick, and punter Jake Camarda. Those are the guys that we know right now are headed to uh, the Senior Bowl, so we know we will be unfortunately without them, but always, always congratulations out to those guys. Uh, for moving forward and thank you thank you seniors for all that you've done a couple of other seniors to recognize here and uh, that's running back James Cook we know he's headed to the draft uh, I don't know if he's going to the senior bowl or not I'm assuming not um, but those other guys we know already have already signed to go to uh, the senior bowl so but other seniors to congratulate and continue to say thank you to James Cook running back offensive tackle Jamari Salyer he played a big part in that as a senior He's headed to the draft. Getting to some juniors that have decided that they are actually going to opt out and head to the draft as well. you got running back also Zamir White as a junior. He's headed out. All these guys, obviously, juniors. Uh, safety, Lewis Seen. Linebacker, N'Kobe Dean. Defensive end, Trayvon Walker. And wide receiver, George Pickens. Of the guys that I was kind of surprised about, not really surprised about, Zeus figured he would move on. Was hoping Lewis Seen would stick around another year, but again, he made a lot of money here in the end of this year. And this year alone, Kobe Dean, obviously the Budkiss Award winner. Understand why he's headed out. Trayvon Walker for sure. George Pickens was one I was kind of hoping uh, just because of the injury this year that he would give us one more year just to put some more numbers out there. But I understand a lot of guys when you get injured, you know, you really kind of want to move forward uh, just, to, just to limit that possibility of injury again uh, and, and to kind of ruin, not necessarily ruin, but diminish a little bit of what the stock that you have built up could be so I do somewhat understand that but could you imagine some of these juniors I just listed especially on defense Lewis seen the Kobe Dean have Trayvon Walker having these guys if they decided to come back for their senior year how big uh, of a deal that would be um, I mean it would be a huge deal 
But again, we understand it. I understand completely why these guys decided to and not. Now, getting to one guy so far that we know is sticking around, that is, uh, you know, junior or senior, that's safety Chris Smith. He was a big, big, big defender for Georgia this year. You know, having the pick six against Clemson, multiple interceptions this year, uh, and he's a senior. So he's going to come back and use that extra year of eligibility for Georgia. I'm excited about that. So far, he's the only guy that I've seen that is going to be coming back. Now we get to some of the questionable guys that I'm not 100% about. Why on a few of these? A couple of them I understand, but we'll talk about the ones I'm not too sure yet. Uh, you got cornerback Amir Speed. He's headed to the transfer portal. Wide receiver Jalen Johnson. Wide receiver Justin Robinson. Cornerback Jalen Kimber. Defensive back Latavius Barini. And cornerback Lavoisier Carroll. Those are the guys hit the transfer portal already. A couple of these guys I'm surprised about. I'm really surprised about cornerback Amir Speed. I know that he was uh, a starter, and he's been a really good player and played, I think, in every snap, or not every snap, every game uh, this season. I was very surprised to see him hitting the, the transfer portal. Again, I do want to say this right here real quick, though. Thank you to these guys as well, you know, for these guys that did, you know, have contribution to this team this year and were also a part of helping Georgia get to a national championship and win a national championship. I do want to give credit out to these guys for also being a part of that because without them, you know, that doesn't happen. It still takes a full team effort to be able to make that happen. Uh, but a couple of these guys, I was a little surprised to see headed out. Amir was one of those guys. Jalen Johnson, I figured he was going to be a pretty decent quarterback for us coming up. He's got a few guys in front of him now. Maybe some of these young, younger talents are already standing out so much that some of these guys just decide not to. Jalen Kimber, I know, was hurt. Um, but I, I kind of anticipated him coming in and making a key role next year for Georgia after coming back from injury, but he's decided to move his talents elsewhere. The one that I'm really surprised about outside of mere speed is Latavius Brini. Uh, I know in the SEC championship game they decided to start William Poole back there, and, and maybe that had something to do with that between Amir Speed and Latavius Brini back there. Um, but I was kind of surprised to see him because he started a, or he's been a starter, and he's also played in multiple games for the Dogs this year as well. But, again, credit out to these guys uh, for – for being a part of this team and helping lead Georgia to a national championship, I do want to say that. So any other guys that I do start to read about as far as uh, that are going to be coming back or leaving, you know, I will try to put that out um, in an upcoming episode. And uh, speaking of an upcoming episode, one that I have hopefully coming up, I do have to talk a little bit more uh, about this coming into it, but I'm hoping to have a guest on our next episode. Uh, this could be a week from now. Uh, I'm not going to be doing the two weeks uh, two weeks anymore now that we're at the end of the season but I am going to do a couple of more episodes um, one of which coming up again I'm going to try to get a guest on here uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about history history around surrounding Georgia um, and then we're going to get to our rewards you know the guys that we think are at the top some of the guys who obviously won awards at the end of the season and then we're going to kind of start gearing forward to the 2022 season uh, before we end this season, season two of Dog Talk. Again, I appreciate everybody who's been out there listening. So excited for what Georgia has been this year. So excited for what we ended up with this year. And uh, just incredibly proud of these dogs. Incredibly proud, proud of them. Any of you guys out there that are just receiving flag from Alabama fans, just, just tell them to eat it. I mean, seriously. Dog, dogs on top this year. You can make the excuses all you want to, but it doesn't matter because Georgia in the end – is the national champion of 2021. Nobody can take that from you, dogs on top, 33-18. to 18. So proud of these dogs, so glad for what Georgia ended up being able to do this year. 
so effective, so effective, uh, has affected a lot of people. It's amazing how 18 to 22 year olds can affect this many people uh, in a season. You know, you pack out a stadium. You know, it, it's kind of fun. I think about uh, as far as Georgia championships this year. The Braves started it off for everybody. Uh, was able to go watch them live. I was able to go to the Arkansas game that Georgia played this year. So. Um, Kind of a weird thing, most of you guys probably won't care, but 2017, I went to the spring game and watched that. I kind of wanted to see what we had. They, they packed out Sanford Stadium then. That was fun to watch. Uh, and they went to the went to the national championship and then went and watched them play Arkansas this year. Hey, they went to the national championship and won it. The only two times I've been in Athens were those times, and I know that's kind of hard to, hard to believe considering I do a show on them, but those are the only two times I've gone, and look where we ended up. I'm not saying it's me, obviously, you know, but you you kind of have that in the back of your mind. Hey, maybe I'm a good luck charm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are saying, hey, maybe you should go next year too and make it a yearly thing. Hey, I'd love to do that. And if I can, I will. But again, got a couple more shows we're going to do before we wrap up this season uh, of, of Dog Talk, but I really appreciate you guys being here with me. Again, this is Holden with Dog Talk. And off the end of the show here, we're going to play just like we did at the start. The wrapping up, the sealing of the deal, the Keeley Ringo pick six. Um, so glad about that. Again, you guys follow us on Twitter at DogTalk20. Check out the website, uh, and I'll check in with you guys coming up. Go dogs! By the way, it's kind of crazy that this episode is actually episode 33 this season, and that's how it ends for the national championship, and Georgia scored 33 points in the national championship. Thought that was pretty crazy. Ten, play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort.